It's a rush to bonds and away from equities today because in the US, all of a sudden, everyone is worried about recession again. There's been a big fall in consumption. But as we keep saying, isn't that the idea to get inflation down? Well, it's not happening yet. Risk sentiment won't have been held by all the other data that's out today, most of which is bad. But reopening has pushed China's PMIs into expansionary territory. So we know economies are slowing, but how many will actually shrink? New Zealand, Europe, UK, USA, are they all heading for a recession? And can Australia avoid one? That's the question today. It's Friday, the 1st of July, 2022. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Yes, big falls in bond yields today. US 10 years are down seven basis points at 3.02%, which is just two basis points below five years, which fell 10 basis points today. German bonds are down 18 points for 10 years, down 15 in the UK and France. And as you might expect, that's all been accompanied by a fall in equities. The Nasdaq down 1.3% at close. The down 0.8% down. The S&P 500 down 1.1%. Why? Because people aren't buying as much. Uh, big falls in Europe as well. A 1.7% fall in the euro stock. 50. The FTSE 100 down just under 2%, 1.8% off the CAC current and 1.7% off the DAX. Of course, we know the ASX 200 closed down 2% yesterday as well. And big falls in oil. WTI is down below 106 now uh, with a 3.6% fall this morning, a 1.2% drop in Brent down below $115. A fall in the US dollar. It's down 0.4% on the DXY. The euro is up 0.3%. The Aussie dollar and the pound up 0.4%. The Aussie now just over 69 US cents. So clearly, a rush to bonds as recession fears heighten, hence less demand for oil. All makes sense, doesn't it? Uh, Nabs Tapper Strickland joins me today from Sydney. So is is this how you see it all fitting together? Everyone is now getting ready for a bigger downturn than we perhaps uh, had, had recently thought. Uh, good morning, Phil. And what a move, well, sorry, what a night for market moves and definitely going towards that recession risk scenario. And really what was driving that last night was the US PCE figures and personal spending in the US disappointed, came in at 0.2% month to month against 0.4% expected. What's important about that is it's the slowest monthly uh, rise this year. Um, And actually, when you look into uh, the Atlanta Fed GDP now measure, so they take a whole heap of those high frequency data points and try and come up with an estimate for for GDP. For Q2 GDP, uh, it's now pointing towards a negative print and quite a significant negative print as well. Um, to minus 1% annualized. Um, so we obviously got a minus 1.6% in Q1. So for many people, if you've got two straight quarters of contraction in GDP, then uh, that would indicate um, a recession. Now, some people obviously define a recession as something a little bit differently uh, in terms of a higher unemployment rate, but it would suggest that the growth momentum in the US has stalled and has stalled quite sharply yeah. if that were to occur. Well, unemployment isn't a problem. I mean, the initial jobless claims were a bit higher than expected, weren't they? But I mean, that's not the that's not where the focus is. But uh, I mean, I you know, it, it, isn't this a case of bad news is good news? Because I mean, the, you know, you've got to slow down demand to uh, if supply isn't there. That's what the Fed's trying to do. And uh, you know, I mean, yet we had this big market reaction because of the recession word being mentioned. But you look at the, 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 the core PC deflator, you know, the, the Fed's preferred measure of inflation. I mean, that came down. So doesn't that show, um, you know, it came from 4.9% the year to April to 4.7%. So not enough just yet. But I mean, it shows that it's heading in the right direction. So and a lot of that is surely going to be because there's uh, this softening of demand. Uh, the PC deflators were interesting, but I would caution about reading too much into those. They are... 
Um, the base of those PC deflators come from the CPI, and we do know the CPI was a lot higher than expected. And when you actually looked at the alternative core measures, such as the Dallas Fed True Mean PCE, that was actually at 0.4% month on month. So it does suggest little change in the pace of inflation in the US, even though the headline core PCE came in at 0.3 against 0.4% expected. So I think it's a little bit too early there. Um, markets definitely did grab onto uh, that lower PC print um, as one factor for why you have seen the rally in bonds. But I would just caution that the uh, Dallas Fed trim mean measure um, doesn't really suggest too much change in inflationary momentum at the moment. So I think it's a little bit too, too early to yeah, call. Yeah, too early to call. But I mean, yeah, maybe then I'll just completely change my direction and say, well, isn't that a worry if we find that, in fact, you know, demand's going down and inflation, because this is the big concern, isn't it? What happens if demand goes down, but inflation stays high? I guess the, uh, I guess the uncertainty is, is, I think most people can buy the point that if demand falls sufficiently, then inflation will will fall. Um, The uncertainty really is how far does demand have to slow and how far does demand have to fall? And that's going to be very different depending in which economy you're in. Uh, The Fed, uh, for what it's worth, they're forecasting the unemployment rate to rise by quite a few um, tenths, and uh, that is enough to get inflation down back towards their their, their target band, uh, at least according to the latest uh, forecast iterations there. Um, in the UK, it may take a little bit uh, more in terms of a contraction in activity in order to get inflation back towards target, just because they've got greater headwinds, especially coming from the energy crisis stemming from Russia yeah. and Ukraine. And uh, GDP falling in Canada as well, the preliminary read for May, minus 0.2% month on month. That is some way down from 0.7% back in March. So... I mean, when we see numbers like that, does the Bank of Canada see that as, you know, part of the sign that the the job is done and they can take the foot off the accelerator or do they just ignore it and just say, yep, our focus is purely those inflation numbers and uh, we've got to concentrate on that? irrespective of how much we see GDP for. I think uh, both with Canada and with other central banks, I think they'll be looking more closely at the inflation figures. They're firmly focused on on inflation. I remember we were talking on the podcast a couple of months ago and um, former Fed chair, uh, sorry, former Fed vice chair Quiles uh, gave a speech and he just noted that uh, no one knows what the unemployment rate was in 1971. All they remember is that uh, Arthur Burns let inflation get out of control. So I think uh, central banks are very much focused on uh, where inflation is. In terms of in, <laughs> in terms of Canada's uh, GDP figures, um, they're a little bit overstated or undercooked uh, just because there was a slide in output in terms of oil and gas, mm. manufacturing and construction. So um, you'd really want to have a look at what the next month's print is there in order to get a better gauge for exactly what the pace of growth is in Canada. But with Canadian inflation so high, um, I very much doubt that the Bank of Canada slows down its its rate hikes from here. Right. What about Japan then? Is Japan in trouble? I mean, we had their industrial production, the preliminary number for May, it was down uh, 1.5% in April. In May, the expectation was a slight fall again, but it came in at minus 7.2%. And we saw this big slip in the uh, value of the yen overnight. Uh, yeah, so at least according to the commentary um, from Japan, it seemed like a lot of the decline was tied up with uh, China's uh, zero COVID strategy and the lockdowns that they had um, in earlier months. Um, so these hope that as that's alleviated and as Chinese demand picks back up, then Japanese exporters can can uh, produce more and uh export it to China. Um, but you would have to say there are definitely growth headwinds developing. Um, one positive point, though, was those Chinese PMIs, which uh, surprised quite sharply on the non-manufacturing side. Um, and also manufacturing, although didn't quite get matching expectations, it was in positive territory. So it does suggest that activity is starting to rebound as you have lifted up 
those COVID-19 restrictions. But the uncertainty really is, is if China continues their COVID-19 strategy as it is, um, then uh, more disruptions are likely just given how virulent those new strains are. Right. But the question is, how much of this is going to be a structural change that we're seeing in China? Is it going to bounce back? Because you think back to just before the pandemic and those PMI numbers uh, were in contraction territory, weren't they, before we were hit with the pandemic? And then we've got the question about how is it going to change the relationship with Australia? So we've got the AFR running the story today that China has accused uh, Anthony Albanese of undermining the prospects of a reset in the uh, relationship between China and Australia uh, because uh, of the, the link with uh, Russians inva- Russia's invasion of Ukraine with Taiwan and what China might do because NATO is uh, accusing uh, China of colluding with Moscow. So we've got this new world order, haven't we? The, the West versus the rest. And uh, so the question is, you know, are we going to see that, that that means we're going to get less of a, a, a trade relationship with China than, than we did a few years ago? And I guess that's one of the fears that um, some of the central bank officials in Sintra illustrated yesterday was about greater regionalization and greater uh, friendshoring. So really trading within trading blocks rather than trading between trading blocks. And that is one of the risks in terms of the inflation outlook in terms of a medium term sense here. Um, I think as China comes back online, I think um, you'll still see uh, quite big flows coming from all, all different countries there. But the fear is over the next couple of years that you do get that entrenched uh, regionalization in trade yeah which is going to make trade that little bit less efficient isn't it which would you know arguably isn't going to help with inflation either look in in europe generally bad news isn't it i mean we're getting used to that now but i mean you know what data there was and it's it's a bit all over the place but german retail sales down 3.6 percent year on year in may well below the expected two percent fall german unemployment rate uh, rose from five percent to 5.3 percent in just one month retail sales in neville in the netherlands up just 0.7 percent year on year that was uh, less than expected in switzerland actually down 1.6%. Denmark's final GDP growth rate down half a percent quarter on quarter. Uh, annual inflation rate moving higher in France, higher than expected, from 5.2% in May to 5.8% in June. Inflation in Portugal from 8 to, uh, what's the 8.7, I think, in just one month uh, for the year to June. Business investment in the UK down 0.6% quarter on quarter, which was worse than anticipated. This is all painting a picture of a, of a continent in a very unhealthy situation, isn't it? Oh, definitely, and really being torn between the high energy and food prices coming from uh, Russia and and Ukraine, and also market pricing for hikes as well. Um, And Mm. uh, you'd have to say going into uh, the pandemic, it was thought that the real neutral rate in the Eurozone was well negative. Um, And you've got ECB officials talking about hikes of 25, 50 basis points at the next uh, coming meetings. It will be a real test to see how quickly the economy uh, really slows down, just given how low uh, real neutral rates were thought to be just prior to the pandemic. Yeah, that all of that is happening without the ECB having done anything at all. So when they start to make moves, you know, how bad is the picture going to be then? And of course, you know, the Riks Bank obviously uh, raising the expectations of how far the ECB is going to move because they've moved again. You know, they're they're setting off a cracking pace, another half percent rise. And a policy rate of 0.75% in uh, in Sweden. So, yeah, we uh, the ECB's got a bit of catching up to do. Uh, we get uh, Europe's CPI today. Um, it would be nice to see if that was easing, but uh, that's not going to happen, is it? Uh, yeah, so really interesting things going on in the Eurozone C- CPI. So in Germany, um, obviously, the day before yesterday, they came in a little bit softer, but a lot of it seemed to be a lot of the government 
stimulus that have been taken about there and especially discounted transport fares. Um, whereas in Belgium, in Spain, you all had CPIs much more than expected. Um, so it doesn't look like there's been mm. real any change to the inflation momentum in, in Europe and the, that will force the ECB to hike rates in both July and then again in September and um, obviously getting towards some point where it would put some downward pressure on inflation. Yeah. Now, what about New Zealand? I mean, it's a, it's a podcast of bad news today, isn't it? But we had the uh, the activity outlook yesterday from uh, ANZ. The fact that it's from ANZ doesn't necessarily mean it's wrong, uh, but it came in minus 9.1 versus minus 4.7% previously. Business confidence down seven points to minus 63%, which is close to record lows. Uh, Businesses said their own activity outlook is minus 9.1, which is the lowest since 2009. Investment intentions, minus 3.2, which is the first negative read since August 2020. It's not looking good, is it? And yet the expectation is that the RBNZ will just keep lifting rates because inflation expectations are still high because of supply chain problems. Uh, But uh, yeah, and and yet, you know, not much much reaction in uh, in the Kiwi dollar this morning to all of that. It just looks like a whole lot of more bad news. Oh, definitely. And a lot of people are looking at New Zealand as a test case for how the economy reacts to higher inflation and central banks hiking rates quite a lot. And that ANZ business survey would suggest the New Zealand economy is headed for recession and headed for recession in 2023. So I think the lesson from New Zealand so far is if central banks are committed to hiking rates, committed to getting inflation down, then uh, the probability of recession is extremely high um, in many countries. And there was a recent Deutsche Bank survey done uh, for the US, noting that 90% of those respondents all were tipping a US recession in uh, 2023. Mm, So you'd have to say recession risk is uh, relatively high uh, there. Uh, And as for New Zealand, still no real signs yet that inflation is coming back down. Those price readings out of that ANZ business survey were still extremely elevated. Um, One encouraging sign in terms of the inflation outlook, but not necessarily for the growth outlook, was a flatlining in employment intention. So we're thinking we're going to have inflation in the United States. It's almost certainly looks like it's going to happen in the UK and Europe as well, and New Zealand. I mean, where does Australia stand in all of this? Are we going to escape it? Uh, If the US, the UK and the Eurozone go into recession, um, then the probability of recession in Australia is a lot higher at the moment. We're ascribing around a 30% chance um, of recession. And um, just because those other countries go into recession doesn't necessarily mean Australia does as well. Um, After all, Australia had um, almost 27 years of no recession, while the rest of the world um, went in and out of different uh, growth, growth cycles there. So um, the major fundamentals for Australia is still a very good household sector and a really rapid interest rate pass through um, in terms of when interest rates are cut. Um, so that has generally uh, provided a great degree of insulation from global shocks. Right. Well, we get uh, the a few things today. The NZ Consumer Confidence Read today The uh, for, for New Zealand, uh, ISM Manufacturing in the US. We get uh, CPI uh, for, uh, for the Eurozone, the Keijing PMI manufacturing uh, in China, uh, the CPI for uh, excluding food and energy for Tokyo as well today. Uh, so a few numbers out there. What, what's, your gonna, what's your focus going to be? Uh, so I'll be focused on two things. So one is the Tokyo CPI for June, and um, that is ahead of the national CPI. And the core measure there is expected to remain subdued at 1% year on year. But if you did see any significant move higher in that, that would add to that speculation that Bank of Japan does need to shift that 10-year YCC policy, or at least needs to start guiding towards some kind of shift there. Um, And then in the US, we get the ISM manufacturing 
index and just given the regional reads that we have seen so far you'd have to say there's a bit of downside risk there consensus sees it at 54.5 from 56.1 and if you were to get an ISM manufacturing print closer to 50 uh, then that would amplify all the recession talk that we have heard overnight well you know here we are all talking recession you know on Monday recession is going to be it's going to be written off everyone's going to the attitude will have changed it'll be a whole new week uh, because that's the way it is lately isn't it uh, maybe this it'll stick this time. Good to talk anyway, Tapas. Catch you soon. Cheers. Thanks, Phil. You can't argue with the numbers. Well, you can if you've got another set of numbers, of course. And they're always coming along, aren't they? Uh, and we'll have a whole load more next week uh, on The Morning Call. I'm Phil Dobby for now. Have a great weekend. See you on Monday morning. <laughs>